0: Uh, Daniel Gilbert is such a great player. This is Jude Gold, episode 76 of No Guitar Is Safe, featuring the inspiring solo artist and esteemed educator Daniel Gilbert. is brought to you by Guitar Player and GuitarPlayer.com. Guitar Player, play better, sound better. No Guitar Is Safe. Pretty funky. What's up, everybody? We are jamming at Dan Gilbert's pad. That's right. Now, I know your official artist name is Daniel Gilbert, correct? Yeah, I prefer that. But, uh, of course, knowing you for nine and a half years, now in L.A., you've become one of my favorite people here, and favorite guitar players, and definitely one of my favorite teachers. Keep the groove going. Where's the groove? That was just
1: okay.
0: (laughs) We all call you Dan. Everyone knows you, Dan. Legions of guitar fans and guitar students who you've been teaching over the years, and so, but yeah, Daniel Gilbert, you got this great album too, Before the Sunrise. That's very and, kind, uh, thank you. Beautiful stuff on there, man. I just Holy. like, I tell those students, don't call me Danny,
2: because <laughs> I won't even turn around. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Except it was so in the wrong key.
0: Just keep going. That sounds so good. You're you're playing through the... You got a Sir Telecaster-style guitar. Three single coils. That's right. It's actually
2: Scott Henderson Electronics.
0: Oh, Scott Henderson Electronics, right. And you got a Sir amp that you're running through with reverb going through the studio monitors. Right. Crank it, baby. you want to curse, Dan.
2: I'm not really good at being, like, (laughs) super impressive. I always tell students, man, don't. I'm not,
0: like, the guitar center guy. (laughs) I don't know. The stuff that impresses me is just when I feel every note, and I'm, like, feeling every note you're playing. Oh, that
2: I really appreciate. Yeah. You know, because I tell students, like, I know there's a lot of guys that play a lot faster than me, but... I know that when I play, people can kind of feel me.
0: Yeah, and it's it's probably the most important thing, right? Come on, man. So I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play rhythm, and I want to hear you stretch a little bit. 7 been too long. I might do some soloing later, folks, but I wanna catch up with you for a second because right. every time I see you play, and this is I, I think you'll appreciate this, you make me wanna practice. I swear. You make me want to go home and just... Because I can... You always talk to me about, like, how much you do maintenance and practicing and you talk about the kids pushing you and the students. Students. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Dan Gilbert, folks, is teaching the world to say students, not kids. <laughs> I appreciate that about you. I, I am
2: I am out in the wilderness of that with a lot of my brethren teachers, but, you know, we always have a, that conversation and I explain myself and they're like, whatever. But... <laughs> Like I said, I just think kids, it's kind of like a little bit less respectful than if you call them students, that puts them sort of on a different plane, I feel like.
0: Yes, and in case anyone doesn't know, yeah, Dan, you've been teaching at MI since uh, the last millennium. Okay, <laughs> that'll do it. Uh, yeah, to me, you are in many ways the soul of MI, soul wow. of Musicians Institute, and the soul of GIT, which is now the guitar program at MI, but a lot of people know it as GIT, and... um so, yeah, tell me what, like, the, the other day you went on a trip back east. I know you're dealing with some family stuff. might have been kind of tough. You didn't get to practice much. Mm. You came back, and you said, I need to do some maintenance. Yeah. What is the maintenance? Like you're such a practicer, at least compared to a lot of players, and it really shows. What do, what do you do to, when you're practicing? Like, if you had an hour to practice today, what would you do?
2: Oh, an hour is a good chunk now. You know, my maintenance routine is a combination of things that I already know how to play. Uh, I do a lot of things based on the five patterns. As a matter of fact, sometimes if I start an item, I can't really leave the house until I've played it in each one of the five patterns, like the caged patterns. Right. Like some kind of sequence, whatever yeah. it is. So most of the time, everything I'm running is in like caged. Like it's five patterns of major seven arps, minor seven arps, dominant seven arps, minor seven flat five. five. Five patterns of major arps, minor arps, major arps with the two and nine added, minor arps with the two and nine added, there's a bunch of variations of those. I play the basic scales up and down, there's about 17 scales that I run, Uh, none of the super exotic ones, a couple of small little variations that I like, like what I call the minor pentatonic scale variation, which is a minor pentatonic scale with the nine added. found that a really effective, yeah. you know, group of notes to, to play with in so, certain yeah. situations.
0: That would be pattern four, and then you'd run it in the yeah, other four. Yeah, and I run it in, in,
2: in the five patterns. Yeah, yeah. and I would say one plays, do it in B and D, E, E, uh, F sharp. And they always felt like. Yeah if i knew something in all the five patterns and i and i heard a sound in my head that i wanted to play no matter no matter where i was on the fretboard i could play it if they were all at the same tempo
0: yeah that's
2: That's what seemed (laughs) to make sense to me
0: and what about like technical stuff like bends or vibrato do you practice any of that or Uh, or you you know i
2: don't you know always the last thing of any uh, practice session is playing And so whatever I'm practicing, then at the end, it's always like jam on a practice track or just against a beat or something. So, uh, you know, yeah, I don't find myself like practicing just bends or just vibrato. That to me is in the playing category of things. Right. Uh, You know, yeah, sometimes I'll come up with some bend exercises that students talk about them, but but mostly I didn't do that. Yeah. I kind of came up in sort of a a jazz head in a way that, I was trying to be an improviser and
0: play any idea that I heard like at any time anywhere I was. And then how do the students push you these days? I mean <laughs> I mean in terms of practicing, does that do they motivate you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely they motivate
2: me. Um you know, first of all, I think it's maybe this is really cheesy to say. I think it's really important for me to set an example for them and that they also see that I'm practicing. And so uh then I then I can ask them, hey, you know, have you guys practiced this morning before you came to school? And a large, it's only, you know, I just can't get that percentage up. Like, a, you know, they think I'm, I, I don't think I'm, you know, maybe they don't believe me, but I get up at 6 o'clock every morning and by about 7 o'clock or 10 after 7, I got my guitar on and have a cup of coffee and I'm running shit with, with the metronome. And so I'm thinking, hey, you know, guys, you should do that. That's the level of commitment that yeah. you should have and some of the students really have it. and the rewarding ones is where when I see them really following my program or the program that I set up with them for them to reach the goals that we have spoken about Yeah, and I see them really getting better that's really an, an amazing thing and when we can both see them getting better that's another really amazing thing and I think that's why a lot of students request me is that they kind of see and hear a real improvement in their playing after our semester together
0: now you graduated mi 79 I'm, 79 i graduated yeah. and i know this because i ran into your buddy last night huh. steve lynch from right. autograph we're playing a gig right how cool. multiple bands mini kiss opened oh my god you're kidding yeah mini kiss was there and then autograph played okay. steve lynch okay. and he was very happy to hear about you and then uh, and then eddie money and then we played jefferson oh, how starship neat, man that's really cool great white played but um yeah you know steve just loves you and he was saying yeah i think it's 79 Uh and of course i want to get into your whole story but just a question about teaching i mean Mm -hmm. you've now been teaching basically ever since you graduated how has your teaching changed what have you learned about teaching and are there any ways that you become more effective or simplified over the years or
2: oh yeah definitely definitely uh you know Okay, this is like a no holds barred interview, right? Yeah. Is there going to be censoring and that kind of stuff?
0: You say whatever you want to say. Okay. Say whatever. F bombs. So,
2: <laughs> there was a time when I was known as the drill sergeant, and I was like Rambo, and they would, and like you know, students would get me a poster with Rambo on it and all that, and I was really, really hard, you know, with compassion, and so I've learned to kind of soften that, but still be hard in a way, like kick butt. But also be humane, more, a little bit more humane about it and understand we're all humans and shit happens. Yeah. However, yeah, there's that level of commitment and toughness that I've always real I always think about uh, classical musicians. You always hear the stories about them practicing eight or ten hours a day. You know, to be honest, I wasn't sure I ever did that. But I just played as much as I possibly could. I never really counted the hours. And that's yeah. the kind of commitment that I'm looking for in students. And, uh, you know, one of my sort of favorite sayings these days is I want to be able to inspire the student enough to want to do the work that it takes to be
0: really good on this instrument. Well, it's like a tough thing between wanting to inspire and and show wisdom or offer something from the mountaintop, so to speak, (laughs) not to put at least one of the hills. hills or something. But at the same time, like I remember, one like I learned a lot teaching at MI. Mm-hmm. Just the little bit that I have every quarter, most of quarters over the last nine years. And um, like one day, I talked to Bruce Buckingham, mm-hmm. who was another longtime teacher, yeah. up until just a couple of years ago. And he he was just like he told me, like man, sometimes you just gotta say, just try it again, and then try it again. And just do that for like a big big part of the lesson. Like get the fingers moving and just have like there's a certain nuts and bolts factor. Mm-hmm to teaching, too, Mm. that is beyond just imparting wisdom or inspiration, right, (laughs) or knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. I
2: mean, I used to joke with students, I would say, hey, you know, we have this extra program at school where I'm going to come to your house at night and, like, move your fingers around on the fretboard, and it's like, you know, $150 (laughs) extra a night, haha, and you have to include a meal. But, like, I was like, almost kind of not joking yeah. in, in, in a way. You know, sometimes I thought, hey, it'd be really fun if I had everybody's phone number and just, like, call them up at 11 o'clock at night and go, hey, what are you doing right now? How come the guitar is not in your hands, you know? <laughs> Automatic taser or something. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, we no need to get that,
0: that crazy. But. Let's play a little more. I want to hear a little more Dan Gilbert. Sure. What do you got in mind? I don't know. I like that... One, six, two, five on your title track. It features... Oh, my God. Is this like... Because like, you're playing kind of like R&B style on that. What is that groove again? On um, Before the Sunrise. Oh, God. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, I That's can, too I, fucked I, I up. Totally to later. <laughs>
2: That's sweet, man. I can't play all that. Yeah, you know who my... Uh, you know, that really is from... Uh, Mike Miller is one of my favorite... Yeah, players, and was kind of lifted off to watching him for a lot.
1: B-side,
0: yeah. <laughs> You're a smooth operator.
2: henderson hear this <laughs>
0: why not it's very sweet sounding he's not so crazy about if it's too inside there he goes Scott. i love it Genuinely inspire in. I was gonna say surprise when I met you. Like how much space you put in your playing? Because you know, I, I never went to GIT. I showed up with a full-time job there, and just you know, I expected a billion notes per second from everybody, which was totally naive. And uh, you were just you're. You play the space. I, I've like. I, do, I, yeah, I
2: can't really feel it so well. I'm almost kind of jealous of that. The way. Yeah you know, the current guitar scene is now, you know. How? The, all, with all the Guthrie Govins and the Tom Quails and all those guys who yeah. who are just amazing with how yeah. many... I mean, a lot of shit gets <laughs> filled up. I mean, it's kind of a little dizzying sometimes when I think about what happened to the state of a guitar and what the level of virtuosity that, you know, seems to be required for certain situations. So, it I mean, is, I'm not going to yeah. beat any of those guys. And, I mean, it's not a battle anyway, so I just... Lately, I just try to really play what I feel and what I can play. Just do
0: what you love, man, I swear. That's what it's all about. Yeah, but damn it, I wish I was faster. (laughs) You have no problems. You just reminded me, I just reminded myself of when we, because we do all those graduations together, and Mm. and you would often present the uh, award, Mm -hmm. the nice little trophy for outstanding player and other such awards that we would give out. And one time we were at the Wiltern Theater, and it packed all the departments, so there's got to be like 5,000 Parents and friends watching, and Uh-oh. and all the <laughs> guitar students are out there, and we definitely always had the biggest program. And you said you kind of you said something nice, and and I, I think if I can paraphrase, you said, "All right, everybody, you just spent two years working on all the notes, guitar players. Now it's time to work on the spaces between them, or time to work on the silences." And it was just like mic drop moment. It was so true. You know, to be honest, I really don't know where that thought came from at that moment.
2: And uh, when you say that now, I'm like, you know, it's like almost somebody else said it. That is, it is a pretty cool thought, you know, at at that moment, especially with guitar players where the accent now is like, wow, I mean, you got to shred to be seen as as something or acceptable. It's really crazy. But anyway, yeah, well, thank you, I think. Uh, Yeah, that was, that was an interesting (laughs) moment. I wasn't sure what you were going to say there.
0: Oh, yeah, it stuck with me. I also, of course, I have to ask you because people associate you with the triad and, and you're wearing this very cool shirt today that looks like a triad. Get the, That's right. I on purpose for you. <laughs> Root 3rd 5. That's right. Ran a triangle. I still, having known you all this time, I still don't truly know much about your fascination or the power of the triad that you, you expose uh, if that's a word tell me about a tri- what is, what is a triad first of all for anyone out there who might not have a completely 100% solid idea of what it is a triad I see is the most basic chord you can have three notes
2: which are root third and five yeah major, major triad minor triad yeah. diminished triad augmented triad And then after that, that's where it starts to get kind of interesting, I think. But, you know, I do have kind of a crazy fascination with the subject. I I agree. It's not, if I can, you know, my birthday is at 11, 11.56. So I've always had kind of a fascination with 11. And for some reason, I see 11 is related to three. And and I always like the yin-yang symbol, which everybody says, well, wait, that's two. And I was always like, "Well, no, but the two entities together create a third entity." So I always find some reason to uh, <laughs> make does, three a part of the conversation. How does
0: eleven have anything to
2: do with three? Okay, well, uh, eleven <laughs> is four, four, three. So there's a symmetry just in that. Well, I mean, you know, ten is
0: four, four, two. That's, that's three. True. So everything. I mean, that's true,
2: but that's an even number. Okay. I
0: clearly I still have a long way to go to understanding. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think
2: I I don't think anything I'm gonna say now is gonna make sense so. <laughs> but
0: start off with just playing some show show oh, us sure. some basic triad or how you know where we're, we're, we're starting with like uh. if somebody wanted to go down this triadic path where mm. would they start okay so uh, first off I start
2: with them um, working with the triads in three string groups so I would start on the top three strings it would be first just like I would just give them chord graph inversions of the three
0: major triad shapes. Yeah, you're yeah, just jumping up the right. top yeah, that's three just strings. And G major,
2: right? And uh, third position, seventh position, tenth position. And then G minor, third position, sixth position, tenth position. And visually get a handle on those two things. Then yeah. I would say, okay, now G major to C major. Yeah. G major, C major, G major, C major. G major, C major. Again, you're still on the top three strings. Right. And I, I isolate three string groups and really like yeah. go crazy with those because I just have seen through time in playing. I mean, I mean so many little guitar parts yeah. are just there. I mean, how many times have you heard? Yeah. You know, so it's like, I just think any guitar player's absolutely got to be able to see those, like, really quickly. Yeah. One of my earliest remembrances, even on the East Coast, was, uh, you know, seeing the Grateful Dead. And I always remember watching Bob, uh, um, Bob Weir, right, the rhythm guitar player. And he was always... I always noticed, wow, he's all over the place with those chords. You really. Yeah. Even back then, I, I
0: noticed that. So I realized that that was an important thing to do. Kind of fits our human hand too, like a, these three, like a, the three strong fingers. You can do so much with so many times. Sometimes you're only using two or whatever, but but right, right, right. But like this kind of a, that is, it's a me that feels good in your hand. Oh yeah, that's
2: like right in there for rock stuff. You know, it's amazing. I always tell students, you know, when I'm watching Scott Henderson, when I'm watching him, not listening to him, I always think that he should be using his pinky more than he does. And he does like one three, where I do one four, figuring why it's like a lot. And I'm always like, shit, like wow. Isn't that weird? First time I saw a video of Eric Johnson.
0: Well, yeah. Um, And I was gonna say the first time I ever saw a video of Eric Johnson soloing, I was like, wow, he he uses his third finger so much. Oh, really? I never noticed that about him. Okay. Yeah, and then um, you got a guy like Robin Ford who uses the third finger and the fourth finger all together. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Even if it's like a two-fret distance, it'll be... Yeah, he uses them as like kind of a block. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like almost like Spock or something. Right. <laughs> two, different, two different...
2: Nice. Yeah. Now, there's something that, that I can relate to, but that's for another time. Right. Uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. fingerings are really... Interesting. I remember one time I got a gig. I, said, and I asked a guy afterward, hey, how come I got this gig? And he goes, well, because you were using all four fingers. And <laughs> your left hand, I like go, okay. You know, I was a crazy New York guy. So, uh Yeah and so that's the first like sort of step and then i would throw in the five chord
0: right so now i'm seeing this use of triads again you're still in the same top three string groups and you would do that on the other two three string groups right and but i'm starting to see now triads as a way to learn the geography of the fretboard through these harmonic like Chord, little miniature chord progressions, oh yeah so that is super common that. right so i'm now I'm starting to see one angle of your triadic approach mm-hmm. learning the fretboard through triads is that where we're headed with it or is it I mean it must go in so many different directions I mean okay, so yeah. you want like yeah just that he, so he's like, pointing out to the great right, cosmos yeah, folks <laughs> um The
2: great beyond. So now I just was, you know, last several years, I've been dreaming about a lot of, you know, there's all these variations of triads you could have, sus two and add two. So if I have a G triad, G major triad down in third position, it'd be the A note. Right. Right. So then I have
0: those shapes everywhere as well. So you take that triad and and in all three positions, you're going to add the two, either in the top, or in the bottom. Yeah, I guess, you know, or, uh, music theory-wise, yeah. I guess a sus2 is if you take yeah. out the three and you put yeah. the two instead, and it then an a- add2 would be you take out the right. root and then you put the two instead. Right, you're kind of doing both here. Right, add2, exactly. two, sus2, two, and then you're doing it up in the different spots. Right, exactly. And you're doing it in tune. Well, <laughs> relatively. I'm poking fun at my guitar. Okay, so you're yeah, you're doing variations on the triad. And of course, you got those in minor.
2: Yeah, sounds like music already. And then you got just the straight up sus. But I make my students do sus minor and sus major. Because you and I both know. That's just a really great yeah. rhythm guitar part and that's kind of what that is so there's my yeah. harmony theory or guitar technique brain going okay must do that in all
0: positions right is that a famous guitar part or isn't it it could be it could be a number of things yeah exactly that's what i'm saying it could be a number right, of right. things what about that
2: yeah.
0: yeah totally Do the triads show up in your approach to melodies, too, and improvising? Uh, Yeah, absolutely.
2: Now, I I could see those as three-note shapes by themselves. What is
0: this? Dialing up a groove. C. Let's
2: say it's C minor. Now, here's where it gets, like, I can do this harmony and theory-wise, but also doing it visually. Yeah. If I'm thinking C. Dorian, I see all the notes of C. Dorian all over the place, and now I'm looking at triad shapes that fit C. Yeah. Dorian. Right.
0: the triad isn't there because <laughs> so, it's like you're playing little miniature chords within your melody there right it really, I mean how often do triads show up in in solos all the time uh, this is the b- most basic example I could think right. of but I mean yeah right. it's like they yeah they, so yeah they really are a great melodic device within a scale you don't sound like you're running a, uh, up and down a scale because you're Well, that's why, you know, I've always been trying
2: to tell students, like, I sort of joke, and I say, I I don't give a shit about your style. You still got to know the guitar. And when you know all these basics on the guitar, you can take it in any stylistic direction you really want to take it. If we're like... I think what a lot of country guys do... I'm just like adding some notes to each yeah. of the triad shapes. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, more basic country plays, yeah. it kind of sounds like that where that starts from. So the, you can use that in, in a, you know, it's an approach to
0: triads to throw yeah. off of. You find them everywhere. And then, of course, if you're playing a weirdo, not really weirdo, but if you're like a dominant diminished, say we're in a key of G, mm-hmm. then I guess there's a lot of major triads hiding in there. Like you wouldn't necessarily expect it from that scale. Do you do you bring out the triads from a scale like that? Sure.
2: I mean, you know, you can sorta move anything in minor thirds
0: and it sounds diminished. That's a really great teaching device you have there. Just have a I've got a knife. Ooh, on. that's soulful.
2: Kind of moving triads in minor thirds. Right. Yeah, come on, shoot.
0: things you remember, like I remember Robin Ford talking about how the diminished, the dominant diminished, which is all half steps, I mean half step, whole step, half is step, step, is really a bluesy scale. And it's true. Cause you got the minor third up to the yeah. major. There's some Scott Henderson.
2: You know what I like to do with that though, is kind of go E diminished to E dominant seven kind of bring it a little bit inside
0: and one time I interviewed a person who I think is one of your past teachers pat martino hmm. and he is a fascinating thing which makes a lot of sense about how guitar is taught based on sharps and flats which are if you think about sharps and flats that's the piano white keys and then the black keys you can call them either a sharp key or a flat key depending on how you're looking at it but he's saying uh, his whole thing is that doesn't really translate to the guitar and he starts out with like as you know like a either an augmented triad and he sees the guitar through that way and of course he also does the diminished seven chord like I guess from what I got from it like you know you take any note on the that triad and lower it and you get a major chord but also the same same with this one you lower one note you get a Dominant chord, and you know all this stuff a million times better than 90. No, well, not really, but I'm smiling because of what I'm going to say next. But Yeah, God. yeah. So I want to, what's your take on on, on that? Whether Pat, uh. did Pat Martino uh, rock your world with any of that well, stuff? Well, no, listen,
2: the first thing I got to say is I love Pat Martino. I am a complete devotee of Pat Martino. As a matter of fact, I had taken out, uh, before I came to MI, I had. To, uh, like two or three yeah. lessons with Pat Martino and I was going to show you my my handwritten lessons from Pat Martino oh, that I took out from my thing from like 1977. Uh, but a story comes to mind. Pat Martino was at school talking about exactly what you're talking about in a seminar setting with the students. Like, okay, take the augmented or, or try and do that to it. And it's all really interesting. But, uh, you know, as students will do, somebody raised their hand and said, yeah, but what does all that have to do with making music? Right. And then the, the room went silent, you know, it was like... <gasps> and then uh, Pat Martino just very deftly said, you know, nothing. This is nice. about how the guitar works. And everybody was like, oh, shit. Isn't Are, that true?
0: Okay. I was like, all right. <laughs> well, that's always a discussion. Like, <laughs> Is music theory rules or what? I mean, I think of it more as tendencies we just observe these tendencies the music came first i mean you can make music out of you can get mathematical and create some cool stuff but a lot of times it's a tendency that's been observed and then sometimes over hundreds or thousands of years and they create hey that's a scale we're gonna call that the major scale i believe that i'm with you on that but uh yeah it's true like you know bb king probably didn't know too many too much official music theory (laughs) but for what he was doing that was absolutely perfect you know, that's that was it. So how do you you? I think you do a great job of taking these theoretical concepts, music theory, which in my mind I see them as everything from math equations to, to geometric shapes, like the one on your shirt, that simple triangle. Mm-hmm. And you, you keep it totally soulful. Like how do you keep how do you practice all this stuff and then play these soulful st- things like you've already played today? Like you know so much and it's still so soulful. And I'm not trying to be, like, flattering or anything. I mean, like, it's a serious question. How do you take all that knowledge and remain so juicy and have so much mojo in you're playing? Like, you have both sides. Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I
2: don't really know if I can answer that. It, it, you know, really, to be honest, I feel a little bit, you know, like, fuck, how come I'm not ripping it up and, like, playing, like, mains to 16th-note triplets <laughs> and, like, you know, mm. blazing all over the the place and I'm like well okay I guess you know because I don't feel comfortable doing with that I'm just doing what I'm you know I'm more of yeah. the guy like I need to warm up for a while and then oh, you know yeah. maybe I'll play something fast later I don't know but me too I'm you know you. the the whole yeah. gymnastic Olympic sport of guitar is sometimes
0: just a little bit overwhelming you play, you play a lot of you crazy know. stuff like on, on your solo like on your solo Curious Goods on that song yeah you, you get out there
2: Else, you know, but so, it's not like the other guys. are like, here's this thing at like 220 and 16, yeah. notes, and I'm like, fuck, you know.
0: There's a certain beauty to that, and there's nothing. There's there's room for every type of player. Like I saw, yeah, absolutely. I, I saw Toast and the Bossy Instagram <laughs> uh-huh. the other day, and he was doing the most insane and beautiful sweep pattern that, you know, it was about 15, 20 seconds long, the whole oh, thing uh-huh. maybe, and he's like check it out you guys I've been up all night doing this like he made it seem like he practiced it for like 16 hours and this was the result and it was really cool oh uh-huh, that's cool <laughs> but you're right there's, there's totally different there's all kinds of different approaches hey, the other thing is hey, listen probably ashamed to say but maybe I'm just
2: fucking lazy I don't like to pre-program 20 minute long licks I like to I like to create one of the you know the, my favorite things to do is basically just sit and improvise
0: and see if I can follow my musical thought you know. Now, when you're practicing improvisation at home, how does that go? Are you taking a set of changes, or you got a no, jazz no. chart in front of you? Do you no. Have a, where are you? I mean, how do you practice improvising? I, I just improvise. But you're not just sitting on one key every time. Sometimes no. one key. No. No.
2: I'm, I mean, I'm going to move around. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to f- follow the musical
0: and perhaps physical thought. I mean, doesn't everybody do that? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's easy to just like sit at home and practice funk and E and improvise over that. Like do you Oh practice, no, no, I don't just Do you practice improvising and do you push yourself Oh yeah. How do you push yourself improv- improvisationally at home? Um I always get pushed by other players on like even today playing with you. I mean to but... me the challenge is following your
2: thought to a sorta of logical conclusion. I always mean, tell students that what yeah. you just played kinda of dictates what should come next. And you should be Aware of where the flow is taking you. You know, maybe, maybe, again, maybe that just goes along. I'm a little yeah. bit more of an improvisational jazz oriented guy in that way. Uh, I never really like constructed solos and played the same solo note for note and like, uh, and not not a put down at all, but I, I was never like a monkey style player where you just learn the
0: moves and you do those moves. Right. I, I just, that just wasn't me. Yeah. Well, playing melodies too, like Alan Hines had an idea for a class alan heinz another killer guitar player he's been on this podcast oh yeah and Love he him. teaches at mi on, one of the he's amazing one of the crew he always thought there should be a class called play the melody mm-hmm. and i've thought similar stuff like mm-hmm. play the vocal melody if there's a good um. melody learn how to deliver a melody it's, it's hard a good thing for students like running scales is one thing right. but step up and be the singer and let your guitar be the lead vocalist for a tune it could be something simple like sleepwalk or something that's okay. a very Absolutely. something that is not really focused on by a lot of students. It's really true. Uh, you know,
2: with jazz improvising, one of the big lessons teachers used to do, and I don't really hear a modern teachers doing it so much. They idea was like, "Hey, play the melody with fills around the melody." Thing yeah. People don't talk about the other trick, was you know, which yeah. was a great trick. I thought, Oh, you don't know what to play when you're improvising, use the rhythm of yeah. the melody with your own notes, too. Oh, so how
0: you uh, do that? You're uh,
2: uh. Nice, right.
0: Yeah, the melody is like a helps you it's like a a map a, a map through the landmines kind of <laughs> so you can avoid stepping in some buckets if you that's a good place to start if you don't know how to play over blue bossa changes or something yeah absolutely that's, that's. I wish more people kind of did that you know but they're all like what arpeggios
2: what scale should I play you know I saw the cool YouTube video with this guy who ripped and I'm like
0: uh, okay but Right. Now, of course, the main reason I'm here is I just want to hear you play. Yeah, but not on Blue Bossa. (laughs) Not on Blue Bossa? Oh, man. solo with like triads. (laughs) jazz i'm sure you know <laughs> that sounded great man what are you talking about <laughs> <Thanks>. that's <laughs> like
2: you tell anybody if you got the tools you want to go in that direction you can go in that direction if you know the guitar neck
0: well enough i don't know well what made you start playing in the first place were your parents me where'd you grow up in queens flushing flushing queens near, yeah, that's yeah neighborhood flushing. of queens i've always heard of it
2: yeah, flushing yes home of the mets oh, Shea yeah. stadium my father was a great whistler and he had a great musical sense but mostly i started mm-hmm. playing because my friend started playing and had this one really incredible musical influence. The guy's name was Alan Evans. He's I don't know if you ever heard of Reverend Gary Davis. Yeah. Ragtime blind finger picker. Yeah, yeah. Well, my friend at like well, twelve or thirteen years old, he would listen to him and he was able to figure out how to play that stuff on his guitar by ear. And then he went. and He started. He studied with Reverend Gary Davis, and he bought Reverend Gary Davis his old guitar. Anyway, he was that guy was a huge influence on all the musicians in the neighborhood. So How basically, old were you guys? I played. Like I started playing when I was thirteen. Right, right. But he was doing that. When he was twelve, listening to the radio, and he went on to yeah. really, really interesting. He's a really interesting musicologist, composer, pianist. Alan Evans is his name. Check him out sometimes. So, right? what
0: was it like when you got your first guitar? Was it a Axstrom two? And was it a love affair like instant love it first feel kind of thing. <laughs> basically yeah I was always you know
2: sort of a quiet guy so once I got the guitar that was basically yeah. it a sort of you know went into my bedroom and closed the door and by I the way my that's my amp
0: control. oh that's the one right there when it's i was a this, teenager that's the first this amp I got. this gibson skylark that's yeah. you got some cool Five shit wide. in here i am also noticing that sick silver tone in the background over there oh yeah that that's, thinking, that's, that's that's i love that amp was that led zeppelin 2 recorded on that one no no i think it much like an
2: airline i think he oh, talks okay. about <laughs> but uh yeah that one this this old friend of mine found it in a in a pawn shop on route 66 whoa and she bought it and she kept it in a garage for like 15 years and then she we met again and she gave it to me i had it all fixed up and it just sounds incredible i just love that amp it's, it's just too loud for the apartment man it's
0: the thing with these amps you just they got to be cranked up to their sweet spots oh, any God, amp it just sounds so good that's one thing i try to teach students too a little you know I always tell them there's only one thing I know that I can actually teach you. Put your cable through the strap huh. and before you plug it in when you're playing on stage. Because at some point you will step on it, or someone else will, and it will. But that's the only thing I really know that I feel pretty strongly about. Oh, another, <laughs> well, I think there's a lot more. Come on. Well, another thing I teach them, if I can, is that every amp usually has a sweet spot. Mm. Like a Marshall 100-watt Plexi, that will get, that'll tear down the walls, and you can't even do that <laughs> in a room like this. But, you know, a little blues junior or something probably wants to be at seven and look for that tone and and try to figure that out. Like, because, you know, we get a lot of students that have only played through a digital amp or something. You know, that's what I tell them. You know, guys, have you ever played through an amp on 10?
2: Yeah. That amp that the volume is on 10. And most of them have not. And I'm like, you know, it reacts in a completely different way. It's completely sensitive to your volume control and it's
0: really, really cool well that is a cool amp right there Gibson Skylark now I think the first thing I played was um speaking of which <laughs> cable through
2: the strap there you go know but this this guitar is bad for that it falls out for some reason on one string
0: yeah that was probably like that on was the, the chart man <laughs> yeah that was the first thing that got played yeah that was a hugely influential uh, but for <laughs> some reason uh, also some crazy song Careful With That Axe Eugene from Pink Floyd or something oh, weird yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I remember that So where did it go from there? Did you start playing in bands and get a, I mean you were getting taught by your friend and other Well people. I was one of these
2: guys like I bought a guitar and the music store signed me up for lessons Right and So that was that I went the first day Nice So I, I always realized how important a teacher was and it wasn't until I got out to MI that I realized people bought guitars and then just like goofed around for like five years and I was I was never like that as I was from the very beginning like okay somebody got to show me how to do this thing you know right so and I just hung on every word my teacher said you know whatever he said to do I because I didn't know anything I just okay yeah now what do I do you know my mother had to ask me to ask them to show me a song Right. I wasn't knowing any songs that we I mean, I, I still have my guitar lessons here. I could dig them out for you. I have I'd some of those, too. From, and they, like they, they were great. They were like scales and arpeggios and picking and chords. And it was it was really good. Great guitar lessons from the beginning. Did
0: you take music classes at high school and stuff? Or did high school, you do band or anything? or? High
2: school was like um, clarinet. <laughs> but I was in yeah. bands from like
0: 15 or 16 years old. So. I just want to figure out how you ended up at MI, because mm-hmm. you came to MI at, to me, it's like, I hear like, oh, the holy angels sound like you came right at the moment when it all began. And um, it was like, there's nothing like it. But how did you end up coming out to California? What, what led up to that? I mean, I had always uh, studied and I had gone to a local
2: music conservatory in Queens, but I don't know why it was called the Brooklyn Conservatory of Music, but it was in Queens for some reason. And, uh, so I would studied some four part writing and harmony theory, but always had my weekly guitar lessons. And then I started going in bands and I was always playing in bands at night and I had a day job for a while. And, uh, basically my mom saw an ad in guitar player magazine that said, play guitar 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And she was like, you, you need to go do this. This is what you're doing anyway. She realized that the band thing was probably going to be a dead end and I've needed to that is so cool. Yeah. I'm talking about
0: the fact that your mom read Guitar Player Magazine.
2: I don't know how <laughs> she saw that ad. I don't know how she saw that. Too. I really don't remember that. All I remember is I was like, yeah, mom, whatever. Uh, so I sent away for it. And when the envelope came back with the pamphlet description, she opened it up before me. And I was like, hey, you know, it does have my name on it, but whatever. <laughs> and uh, she was like, no, no, you,
0: you need to go do this. So you were how old? I was uh, 20. 20 years old. Yeah, I mean... For anyone who doesn't know, I mean this was like an amazing time for to be a guitar student because mm. people were really coming from all over the world and showing up at this like how many rooms was GIT back then?
2: Well, so wow. actually they weren't coming from all over the world yet. I mean when I went yeah. there was like 60 students I believe it was and we were on the third floor of a building at 5858 Hollywood Boulevard and we had basically four classrooms. And, and- who
0: else was in your class that year in my class was jennifer batten
2: and steve lynch from autograph and uh from autograph and uh, (laughs) a guy's name you know like pete veltry was an amazing player uh god there's a jamie finley who's another amazing chord melody style player we're still the best of friends totally and uh, i know there's somebody else i'm going to forget uh and some very very interesting characters and some really good guitar players actually uh, maybe later on I can remember their names and it was just like I mean oh uh, Pete Anderson
0: Oh, cool! Yeah. Well, it's amazing because it's like it was kind of unregulated back mm-hmm, then. It was a very mm-hmm. real, true free for all. It really was. And the MA, Mi has evolved to a really great extent in that now it has you know you can get a bachelor's degree right. and all this stuff, and and it meets. It still has the same. Still has the wild feel, while still being a legit college offering all this stuff. But back then, I think it was like I don't know. It's just kind of like the new frontier. Guitar I school. I mean, listen. I don't want to go. Oh, the good olden days, and
2: yeah, whatever. But. I will say that everybody was there for the pure joy and interest and love of getting better on that instrument, and yeah. you know, getting
0: into the profession somehow. So everybody was really serious doing what they were doing. And you had some insanely virtuosic teachers there. Who who were teaching you? Who were the on staff, and then who were some of the guests? Well, we had you know Don Mock and Joe Diorio and Ron Ashte, which and Howard Roberts. Howard Roberts
2: was there you know a lot of the time and those other guys were amazing I didn't uh, you know I'd never seen anybody like play like that in front of me in person and some of the visiting
0: guys were amazing we had Lenny Bro and uh oh Larry God, Carlton Larry Carlton who thought you were a teacher famous story they're like that's like, right how that's long right. you been teaching here you're like I'm still a student you must have been doing something good since you were 13 well <laughs> Larry you, know, he, Carlton said that.
2: Uh, you know that was really funny I was so freaking scared and uh I didn't know what was going on. We were playing all blues, and I, I didn't know it was in like six, eight. I was just, I thought we were just playing a regular blues. I was just hanging on for dear life. And I can yeah. really remember to this day, like looking at my tar and going, like, like thinking like, you idiot, you're playing so simple, you know? But uh, I don't know, I guess, I guess everybody thought it was good. <laughs>
0: This is where you say, so how long have you been a student at MI, Jude? <laughs> oh, <stop laughs> As that. opposed to a teacher. <laughs> anyway, so, and Beth Marlis was there, right? I think of you and Beth yeah. as really in, in here in 2018 and as the keepers of the flame of, of GIT. You guys have just been such supporters of, of the, the original flame, it seems like to me, as far as. I'm trying. As, <laughs> you're doing great. I'm man. trying. And you guys understand it and get it, and I, I still have a couple GIT stickers from when it was still <laughs> called GIT. Which, which no, is but great the,
2: the, the thing that uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I just I got to get back and just yeah. mention guys like Howard Roberts. Oh well, yeah. Who, uh, was just so brilliant about even starting the school and the concepts that he was using to help teach us were really brilliant and really far ahead of it, its time. No, no matter how crazy he was, It was, was really th- something
0: first of all what were some of uh, like if you could just kind of summarize some of these maybe some of these concepts well, like well sure the, I mean
2: the whole the whole learning theory thing that you visualize something first before you play it. you chop it up into bits you visualize it first you play it deadly slow and then you hook it up to the next bit the thing that I do in guitar workout class um, it's just such a brilliant simple thing I and I tell this to people all the time we had this class he called it a tachistoscope but it really was an overhead projector yeah and uh, actually somebody was there tapping in time. And the room would be dark. And have these little eighth note rhythms. And in time, he would like reveal the rhythm on the wall. And everybody would see it. And then cover it. And then everybody would play it. So you were learning this like v- visually really quickly recognizing where the rhythm was. Right. And my understanding was he got that from uh, World War Two training of, of airplane pilots. Because they would put airplane pilots in this dark chamber like that and show them the silhouettes of planes really quickly so they can help recognize, you know, other fighter aircraft. Amazing. Was he a vet? I don't remember right. I don't remember if he was a vet on that. you know, sometimes he made military references
0: so maybe right. he was. Well, that's amazing. So yeah. He see, really was. You I just know. see a little flash of a of a rhythm phrase and then see if you can call it up.
2: Yeah, and then it would repeat, and, uh, and it would sort of like, I mean, it's a little bit, uh, you know, Manchurian candidate, but it would sort of like imprint, and you realize, wow, I'm <laughs> like, I don't have to count one and two and three, uh, you know, like you recognize, immediately visualize what the sound of that rhythm was. So there was a he, lot of
0: ideas like that. I think the cage system, which is five scales based on the basic shapes, oh, like a C chord for C, cage, A chord, those basic open position shapes, I think it's kind of misunderstood by a lot of players. Like, it's really not about these open chords. It's about these five patterns that really fit the human hand. No matter what fret on the neck you're playing them. Is that something that Howard Roberts was a pioneer of? Or where did that you come know, from? You know, he's not a
2: pioneer of that. People have been playing guitar for so long. But as a teaching method, where did, who started... You know, I never even in Mel Bay books and stuff like that. It was never mentioned as a cage system, right? You know, so Howard Roberts was the first guy that I encountered who called it a cage system, but I would never say that. Oh, he's right, the right. the birth guy of that right. thing, and well, he wasn't mated to that. And I, I'd just freak out when everybody's totally
0: mated to that. But anyway, well, you did start off the, today talking about the five batters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I mean, true. It's, it's a really helpful thing when when you truly understand it. Like I'll. I'll say students who are questioning it, I'll be like, Well play me a lick. Play me any lick.
1: Well
0: that would be an E. That maybe a dropped E. But let <laughs> me <I'll be, laughs> let me start again. I'll be like, play me a lick and they might be like <laughs> be like, Well that's pattern four. Uh-huh. I'll be like, Okay, well then they'll play another one. They'll be like Well that's pattern five. Like pretty much any lick that sits in one place on a guitar is gonna be in one of these five patterns. Very, you know, so it makes perfect sense. Not only that, it may be closely related to a triad shape, but that's another story. Yeah, (laughs) it all uh, it all comes back to triads. Nice,
2: (laughs) exactly. So, what am I? What am I going to tell a student in week one? Okay, guys, just twelve ways to play a major scale: the three note, the seven three note per string patterns, and the cage patterns. I mean, come on, right? You got to start like somewhere. And the cage thing is a good visual representation because it kind of hooks up with chord
0: shapes, so it's handy with that. But nothing's perfect, you know, in that. Oh way. yeah, it's all it's you know. a, it's all training wheels. I always say, like when you when you once you learn how to ride the bike, when a kid learns how to truly ride the bike, they never look at those training wheels ever again. You just throw them away, and they'll never miss them. So Ooh. once you have a once you got your pentatonic scale down, you're, you're gonna forget that unless you're talking about it so there you go you can start with that box and grow
2: from there but again I had a real I had a real musical approach when I came to MI uh, to be honest I kind of knew all the scales and arpeggios already I was sitting in a room with Joe Diorio. he was giving me a placement exam and he said <laughs> play this scale and I played it and he goes play a Dorian scale and I played it and he goes play a whole tone scale and I played it he goes play a diminished seventh arpeggio I played it and he kind of stopped me and goes what the fuck are you doing here and they go, I know all this stuff, but I don't know how to use it. So he goes, okay, perfect. So when we were in a class and the teacher would say, hey, you can go up a half step and play the melodic minor scale, you know,
0: you get I already knew the two. melodic
2: minor scale. Yeah. And guys were like, oh, shit, how do you play that? And I was like, oh, okay, that's that sound,
0: okay. Yeah, you get, it turns into an altered scale. Right. Yeah. Now, tell me about... The infamous shred era, which came 10 years uh-huh. later after uh-huh. you graduated. Yeah. Or maybe eight or nine years. I don't know. It's right. like the mid to late 80s. Yeah. So maybe six years. Paul Gilbert era, that kind of. I just remember from afar because I was in high school in the late 80s and uh, it just seemed like the shred mecca. Yeah. <laughs> Like, people were going down there, you know, like... I mean, because that's, that's when locking tremolos came in and... It's true. And all this stuff and finger tapping and sweep mm-hmm. arpeggios seemed like they were brand new and everyone was doing them. Was there was there a kind of shred apocalypse or... that Not apocalypse, but was there, a, like, a movement at that time or was that just a perception? You know, now that
2: I think back about it, I think it's really attached... I'm not saying it's attached to him, but around that same time period. It's when Frank and Bali hit MI, that the, uh, I'll just kind of call it the high virtuosic, like, bomb hit guitar. So he did it on the fusion end
0: of things, and then Paul (laughs) Gilbert was kind of doing it on on the medley end of things. Awesome. They've both been on this podcast. If you would, tell me real quickly, what was it like when Frank Gambale showed up? Because he had his thing pretty well developed already, correct? He he, he really did. And and what what was it like for you guys when (laughs) this guy shows up in the hallways? What was he doing? tell people I
2: mean it was it was it was amazing but he still went to all the classes and everything and uh but he he had a sweep technique right yeah yeah you know and and the weird thing was to to be honest uh, you know one of my very early teachers had always told me about sweep so I could sweep pick a little bit and I swear right before Frank got there I was kind of like thinking okay this is my little shtick I can sweep pick and I generated a couple of arrangements of things and you know started talking about it a little bit and then Frank came along and he was like holy shit, he really sweet picks. He took it to a whole other dimension, so then I just shut up about my sweet picking. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Uh, but it, it, Frank was an amazing influence. I mean, he was always really humble. And uh, I always tell everybody he was like a kid with a toy. You know, he was like, hey, man, check, check this lick out. He wasn't showing off to you. He was going like, hey, man, look, this is a cool lick. And I was yeah. like, whoa. I mean, My famous Frank and Bali story is we're in class. He's a student in my class. And we're playing some, you know some little sequence like that in yeah. sixteenth notes and he raises his hand and goes, I can do sixty fourth notes and I'm like, uh yeah, okay, well why don't you demonstrate that? And of course I like, he whips yeah. off some one of his incredible like lines on whole class is like, fuck. You know, and then they're like, uh, wow. Okay, well let's continue with the exercise <laughs> class. You know, but like I said, he wasn't hmm. showing off. He was really like, Wow, check this out. And so, yeah, I, so I learned a lot watching him and at the end of the year we were thrown together in a band for some reason so he's an amazing musician and Paul Gilbert also Paul Gilbert was one of these guys I didn't even know him till like the last like two weeks of graduation he came <laughs> in to this performance class I was doing and played his medley what did he call it he called it Universal Studios 1965 something like that and he had strung together like all the themes from these like cool television shows, and he was like ripping them That's on awesome. guitar. And I was like, "What the? Where have you been?" And all year he was just a very good little student. He went to every little sight reading class and every little ear training class. He was super quiet like that. And I was like, "Whoa." He's such a good guy. He's really, you know, we, we hung out a little bit after that and stuff. He's a very funny, really smart guy, but I remember that, he's super humble.
0: Yeah, he used to, he jokes, you know, he's very humble to this day. And he jokes that he got hired because, you know, he'd be practicing in the morning with, maybe with a couple bandmates or maybe by himself, and people would see him at eight in the morning. And they're like, this guy can show up at eight in the morning. that's what we needed in teaching, <laughs> showing up skills at eight. Okay, you're hired. But of course, also, he was a blazing player. Yeah, he really was. And it took a little bit more than that to get hired, but, you know.
2: Right. I know. <laughs> I know. But, yeah. Yeah, but I always remember he was a very, very cool. And there was a lot of other players around that time that were, like, really building up the chops. Yeah. And there was a lot of original music, like, kind of fusion going on. It was, it was really an interesting time. And, you know, that was Jimmy Herring was sort of around that time. Yeah, yeah. And guys like Steve Freeman was around that time. And so the guy, Mark McKinnon, and... It's... And, uh, not the Steve Miller, but another Steve Miller, and these guys were an insane like little guitar army. They
0: would get together and try and beat the shit out of each other with like licks. It was so cool. <laughs> it's that was stunning a very to me cool to time. think about how many great players you've seen come through the hallways. Like you know, who's more recent? Like Pete Thorne and it's, it, 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 Mateo it's, Sassado. It's, and it's truly humbling. I gotta say, Jude. it's really humbling. And man, they all love you.
2: I oh, guys, it's <laughs> really that, that's. It's Can you true. say about that? I, I well, you know, I am not jealous or anything like that. I am doing my thing. I'm adding my thing to the world. I'm super proud of them. Mateos is always a great player and great field player. So he's always been really, uh, always very nice about you know what he gained from the school and so so many other players, Derrico and Justin derrico yeah, uh, Terio and you know, guys. Yeah. I
0: can't even remember who are out there. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. There's I been... love those guys too. Shane's a great player. Yeah, he's been on the show too. Shane. Oh, great. has he? Great. Okay, yeah. I, I wasn't sure <laughs> of that. Yeah. And Justin. Justin has has pledged to be on the show. Okay. Great. You know what's funny? When you came to see me play at the the thing in Burbank at the outdoor uh-huh. amphitheater, because right after you left at the end of the night, I got a text from Justin Derrico. He's like, "Hey man, just saw you play. I'm here. I was here with my wife and my baby. We had to go home because the baby's, you know." Oh, like, how what? cool! <laughs> that was so cool. But I was kind of like, having, you know, I wish that was just a better show. Like, I mean, I, I played good that night. But you know, yeah, when you have people you idolize, there's almost there's always this Murphy's Law thing sure. happening, <laughs> where you just don't quite get the right sound, or you know. You were yeah. awesome then. Oh, I, I God, was thanks, really man. impressed. I mean, truly, you were I, a really well, great guitarist, I, I man. I appreciate it. That was a, a nice night up yeah, there yeah, in yeah, the, yeah, the hills of Burbank. Let's listen to one of your album tracks. I love uh, the the first one. It's called really? Yeah, RR. What's what's RR stand for? RR was an old subway line in uh, in Queens that went
2: to Astoria, which was a very cool favorite old neighborhood of mine where I played in some bands in Astoria.
0: Very compositional. If you really think oh. all your songs. Breakdown like in G or like particular inspiration for that song other than the subway line like as far as the musical side of things or well you know I got to say that's one of those things that just kind of grew out of a lick you know just (laughs) I just really love that lick and I want to do kind of something with that nice little hybrid picking how do you play
2: that slowly (laughs) yeah it's built off of this D chord
0: really fun with a guy like you is a lot of players you tell them to slow it down and they can't but Ah. a true teacher a true sensei can even paul gilbert's the same thing like he he, when he teaches students which he still to this day loves to teach when he oh wow are you kidding i want to take some lessons from him he's like it's like the students asking me how it works and i have to open the hood to my own car and take (laughs) apart the engine and see what's happening which is something that teachers do a lot of that a lot of regular players don't once they get it up to speed muscle memory they've never actually played it slowly <laughs> that, that's funny that's very astute to you that it that is really true you know yeah I, I figure if i
2: ask a student to learn something slow then i have to be able to I mean, do that as
0: well so yeah tell me about steve lynch by the way because you guys graduated together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what was what was your graduation like <laughs> I'm sorry, I really
2: sound like an old man because everything is a story, but I guess at my age, you know, you start to remember stories. Hey, This is a podcast.
0: I'm looking for stories. Okay.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, the story about that, I mean, asked specifically about the graduation, because at the graduation, we actually, we went out to this club. And I remember it was Dick Van Dyke's brother's, Jerry Van Dyke's nightclub out in Encino somewhere. Where we were going to do our graduation and they had a rhythm section who was going to play with some of the people who had prepared songs. And I would prepared an original song, and it was called uh, I.O., which is one of the moons of Jupiter. And I remember the band like really fucking it up royally, and my father had flown out from New York to see the graduation. <laughs> so they kind of screwed up my original tune. But then Steve Lynch came out, and he did a version of Little Sunflower uh, with his tapping. And Steve my was always solo. Somebody- yeah no no with, with okay. the band okay and he was steve was always somebody who like he worked out everything to a t and on recorded versions he would like triple track things right and he was always so amazing and like absolutely perfect and so he came out and did the tapping thing on his arrangement little sunflower and that was when well it's 1979 so uh, van halen was just kind of there sort of right and not that many people really, really saw that so my father was amazed And, like, for years after that, every year, my father would ask me, hey, how's that guy doing with the tapping thing? And I'm like, yeah, Dad, I'm doing okay also, you know. That's classic. I was like, damn it, Steve Lynch. But, uh, you know, the thing about him, I I, I, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but um, Steve Lynch worked really, really hard. He basically lived at the school. He lived Mm -hmm. in the maintenance room. Wow. in, In the back. And and to make like, people know this. Up. Yeah, and he would like clean up and do stuff for the school because I don't think I don't think he could really afford to like have a place to be honest. I Steve, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I mean, I mean you know oh, wow. this is
0: true. He, he he lived at the school. That's a f- amazing story on the, so many uh, levels. First of all, that shows you the dedication that students would have to come all the way to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And that it was a pretty seedy neighborhood back then. It was. It's cleaned up like Giuliani style now. It's all It's like Disneyland singer. now, but you know and uh so it shows you that it also shows it's also amazing that MI could even like that that could even happen at a college of any kind whether music or not that someone could get away with i'm sure somebody knew but some of people officials no uh, uh, pat <laughs> hicks turned, rep, pat hicks
2: rest his soul yeah knew and allowed it exactly and there were other things like that and that, that, that yeah. went
0: on just there's yeah. some it was edgy you know that was yeah it's just a different era there were some really amazing things that went on. So, Such as yeah. Howard Ro- Roberts had like a notorious side too, right? Didn't he have like kind of like a wild side? I, I don't want to say a notorious yeah. side. He definitely yeah. had Sorry. a wild
2: side. He definitely was into
0: what pharmaceuticals could
2: do to the human brain and spirit. Can I just put it like that? For educational
0: research purposes.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, he's one of the few people that would go to a bar and order two beers. Like first, two beers. Yeah. But listen, I, I can't mention Howard Roberts was an amazing guy. He was a, he's a super interesting guitar player. Even now when I go back and listen to his tracks yeah. and his soloing, it's really creative. And his chord work is really amazing. And rhythmically, he was really interesting and challenging. Was and there ever a lesson that you really remember from him? That, like? I'm, so, I'm so glad you asked that question because I was going to find a way to, to, to tell this anyway. Uh, we used to do a thing which was called a round robin which are five guitar players in a room, sitting around a circle and we'd all play this song and each guy would improvise and go to the next guy. And Howard Roberts would sit there and he would kind of make comments, try this, do that, do that. And I remember one time, Howard Roberts was sitting next next to me and um, we were playing all uh, the oh, things you are. <coughs> here I did I did that to the melody that sounds and cool. I had never done that before and for some reason it just kind of came out right there I'm going to try not to cry but mm-hmm. right next to me I could hear Robert, how Roberts go yeah <laughs> and awesome. I was like that's so I don't know where that came from I don't know like just like vibe in from him. All and right. but he would do really creative he was so creative and crazy. Like shit would come out of him that was just so I don't know, that like that parallel thing. I'm stealing that from now on. <laughs> and again, I don't know where that came from at that moment. So, you know, he would do stuff like uh Melody to you know, Melody to All Things You Are? Yeah. Two, do you want to play it? Oh well, two, three, Wait. four.
0: Like just in the middle, that's, like playing, yeah, with, right. playing with you, he
2: would jump in and play like a, a parallel harmony that was completely out, and you go, "Huh?"
0: Like, yeah, uh, well, that's edgy. That's what, well, yeah. I love it when players just. That's what we're all looking for. Is no matter what the style, is that person who that unexpected adds something thing. to it and gets away with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it works. Whether it's a skateboard trick or a guitar or just something, it is just some flavor. And, like, yeah, I, 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 I love that. So, Howard Roberts, and the other guy was Jimmy Weibel,
2: who was another oh. amazing guitar player who was super influential.
0: He was. I call him me. The, the West Coast version of Les Paul because he taught mm-hmm. until he was at least 90. Yeah. He kept it going. He was the sweetest man ever, and his style of guitar
2: playing was one of the most unique ever. And just, he was such a beautiful, you know, people use that word, he was a beautiful man, but he really was a beautiful guy. I was honored
0: was, to uh, work with him for, like, the last three years of his career at oh MI. did you really oh, yeah, that's great yeah. is, I mean and that class that two line improvisation I mean that's the gauntlet <laughs> of all the classes of, that's the advanced class of all the advanced classes at least in my interpretation I don't even know if it's still there or I, I think so yeah I think so I think it is too I, it's really a challenging
2: thing but uh, you know I always remember Jimmy Wilder with complete awe and, and like
0: genuine love because he was just I mean he guys. was a lifer. Yeah, oh yeah. Just a lifer. That's that's the running line in this song, of this podcast keep it alive to 95 and he truly just about did. <laughs> Almost. Absolutely. Him and, and
2: Tommy Tedesco was another huge guy for me but uh,
0: Yeah, Tommy Tedesco, man. That's just for Jimmy Weibel. That's beautiful. Yeah, do you have any Jimmy Weibel stuff? Like <laughs> I'm on spot. the spot seeing Jimmy Weibel. <laughs> It's so beautiful.
2: Well, I haven't kind of played that in a long time, so I'm gonna stop I, right there. <laughs> I love jazz on
0: a solid body, man. Like it's you know love, on a quote-unquote rock guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, I love that. I really think L.A. has done a lot to to progress jazz through some high flute and tube amps and wet dry wet rig like what you got going on here today with your studio monitors providing the relay yeah it really works
2: yeah i love it i mean i love ed bickert style playing and he just made a telly sound so beautiful and of course he had like a mini humbucker up front right so but still he could play jazz on that and it sounded just as cool as any fat body
0: jazz guitar out there you know tell me about tommy tedesco I mean, Again, what a character. I don't
2: mean to feel like such an old guy, but he's a super important guy to me. Uh, you know, when I was a student at MI, what he did was he would take students on one of his sessions. I think I might have talked about this before. Right, one time. I'm remembering now. So he would take, throughout the year, he would make sure he took two students or three students to one of his sessions. And one of the thing, the one he took me to was he was doing a direct to disc recording session uh, with the Tonight Show band. So it was like, Know, Tommy Newsom and, that, and all those guys. And I think Lee Rittenauer was the second guitar player. And it was yeah. just amazing. That, I mean, those guys are really monster, monster musicians. You can't really judge that by The Tonight Show. When you hear them oh, yeah. play and stretch, it's like they're fucking
0: masters. Absolutely. And you know? reading, too. Like legit reading.
2: Oh, yeah. And that's why they can joke around like that. Because they could read those charts like nothing. And, and so could Tommy.
0: Yeah, it's he really was true. Was
2: joking around. So that was...
0: Just as an aside, like I remember, we had I had Lee Rittenauer come out to do a clinic, and I remember he would just for a second he just did like some, uh, he's like he's, he was talking about playing rhythm guitar, and he did like like a. I uh, mean I can't explain it, but his tempo was so even, like I could really hear that he had really shedded and practiced, like he could play. Really, in time, mm-hmm. the second the red light went on, I could just tell. There's a thing. Yeah, it's a. You, know, you don't
2: need cut and paste or. Uh, yeah. uh, you know,
0: not to take that down, but you know, there's something to it. So Tommy, he was Tommy Tedesco, was doing all those sessions. So many of them, like a lot of TV sessions, and I remember all the articles in Guitar Player magazine. He'd show you a picture of the chart and what the how much he got paid. It'd be like 300 bucks for the Bionic Woman theme or right. something. Right. He just seemed like a. Larger than life personality too. Was he fun around the school? Or he he was he was amazing. He and he was real like no
2: bullshit kind of stuff. He got David Oakes some reading gigs because David played classical really well. And uh, you know he's a really really special guy to me you know, for for a couple of reasons. So just tell one story. He was always a real like no bullshit guy. Tommy. Yeah. Real no bullshit guy. He would get people up to like hey site read through this chart, and he would let you know okay you know it's not cutting it. But uh, one day I was playing in some performance room somewhere. And after the performance, I was walking around in the hallway and Tommy Tedesco came walking up. And he said, hey, man, I saw you playing in there. You sounded really good. And I did one of those. Oh, oh, man, you saw me. Oh, that I was I was really shitty. And he like cut me off. And he goes, hey, man, listen, don't give me that bullshit. If I tell you you're good, you're good. <laughs> nice. And I was like, fuck, you know, really? Like, you know, we all have those doubts, but it's like, shit, Tommy Tedesco just told me I'm good. Okay. You know what? I'm good. I need to go from that
0: basis from now on, you know. Man, you it's, got a uh, you're that's good. super important <laughs> that's moment. Great. man. I was yeah. going to say you got a you're good from Tommy Tedesco, and you got a do you teach here from Larry Carlton, and you got a yeah from Howard Roberts. Way to go, Dan. <laughs> those are epic wins yeah they are you know
2: <laughs> they, listen I could say a guitar player the guitar player could go yeah but you're out there playing in front of 10,000 people all the time I'm
0: not really doing that and, and uh, that's fun also sometimes <laughs> not usually that a uh, few hundred uh, maybe on a festival gig but uh, hey no I mean you. it doesn't matter really do you know what I mean it's like we're all just doing the same thing no, Which I am. Is, uh, we're all playing guitar uh, uh, and trying to find the magic wherever it is. Exactly, exactly. Like I said, I know when I play, people feel it. I'll, I'll play for my class. I'll play for thousands. You know, I've I've gigged. Uh, you know, but uh, well, you know, I I'm think- a little envious too. Like, do you know how much time it takes to play in a band, a weekend warrior band? Like, oftentimes you'll do one gig and. I'm not complaining because I love to play, and it's a real, anytime, anywhere, to play in a restaurant in front of two people, that's an opportunity. But, you know, a lot of these gigs, these fly you're spending two days on a you know, flying out each direction, and then mm-hmm. your sleep is off for like another day, usually, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of shed time that is missed. So, you get a lot of magical growth time. And I mean, it's, just, I'm saying this because when I watch you play, it's just paid off so incredibly. You're a monster yeah, but player. Y-
2: now listen, but you can't deny it and, and don't bullshit me. Like, there are gig chops, and there are practicing chops.
0: I th- again, I think you have all the best of all worlds. Well, you got I, the well, I, I try you got the to like, keep the gig chops stuff. going. You know how to play the spaces, as we <laughs> talked about. And I've seen you, Gig. I've seen you throw down on stage at MI with some serious heavy hitters. Well, thank you. Man. I'm blanking. That. Who did you recently pop up with? Frank Lombardi. Frank and Bali and other players you just hop up there and you've got those gig chops like you plug in no sound check don't know what the song is don't never play with the cats before yeah that's that's for real I
2: like that I like that down dirty kind of like let's go fellas which which you got you know
0: school used to be I think I used to tell you like in
2: week 10 I used to go around and disrupt everybody's class and bring them down into the concert
0: hall for an impromptu jam but I can't do that anymore but that they used to be really fun yeah it's an amazing community am I I remember at one point there was a movement it seemed like maybe amongst universities or colleges that students should not be Facebook friends or social media friends with their teachers Mm -hmm. and of course that was a bummer for the teachers and stuff just you know but the people who got really upset were the students they almost rioted they went in full protest they're like no way we want to be able to stay in touch with our teachers and <laughs> go see them play gigs and it was really neat to see the students basically march down the halls with torches saying <laughs> oh that's cool yeah it was a huge moment that community now what have you been working on lately anything new or any new explorations <laughs> listen for <laughs> me you know technique is an absolutely
2: endless endless thing I mean you talk about yeah. the triads right I mean this is a little bit insane lately I was a little bit uh, influenced by I went to uh, check out online this Bella Leica player Bella Leica is three strings uh-huh. and he was really cool because he had like delay and stuff going on it was a little bit more modern but how fast he could play and the command that he was using in changing position I really, f- was was
0: really, really interesting. So he was changing like shapes, chord shapes really quickly and... Yeah, it was more <laughs> of this like, you know. I'm
2: and am like nice. really like moving around which, and I have this pet project with Lance Alonso that I want to make a three string guitar nice why (laughs) just for that triads
0: triads of course that's second i
2: asked that question and really investigating like kind of going that way more so uh, i like that there's also a really deep pat martino thing where he uh he goes through string groups so three string groups on the guitar like all the possible combinations of three strings that you can have Right. so of course you can do that adjacent strings and oh. then you got these broken sets but there's some crazy
0: yeah. ones like six two one so you're doing triads but you're doing it on the most extreme group you can which is six and then the middle string and then the outer string right so i'll be like right you yeah, like the combination?
2: I did this was, was six string, second string, first, yeah, and then, and then the inversions. Then <laughs> of course each one of those could be harmonized.
0: That'll keep you busy. <laughs> it never now, ends, like you said. Just, uh, you know, always you
2: know. hey, well, do something.
0: And it's, well, gosh, man. So uh, we've covered a lot. It's fun, we, you know, to talk to another great guitar
2: player and kind of kick things around. It's it's a lot of fun.
0: Oh, thanks, man. Nice I, I, re- I really, I really want to say I don't know what you're talking about, but then then you're gonna pull a Tommy Tedesco and say, don't fucking say that back to me if I say you're great. But I, I appreciate you saying that. But uh, you are a truly great treasure, man. I oh. swear to God. <laughs> oh wait, thank you. Yes. I there we just we gotta that's just something <laughs> yeah. accepting a compliment is hard especially around these parts where there's just so many monster guitar. even the halls of mi's there, yeah. there really are and i expect the i respect each and every one of them will want to steal and learn from each and every one of them
2: and you know yeah so i'm glad that somewhere in there there's been a little space for me allotted and i've been able to earn my space in that little universe it's cool
0: Heck yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to do it again. You're, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, my I feel pleasure. like we barely scratched the surface. Yeah, it seems like a lot of stuff to talk about. But thank you. you man, shit. Thank you. And thanks to uh, our friends at Zoom, for this uh, recorder. thank you, Zoom. <laughs> Keep it alive cool. till you're 105, mofo. Dan, want to take it out on something? You got a jam for us? Well, I do like to rap. Dan does. I've seen you rap before <laughs> at like the open houses and stuff, <laughs> a room full of people. Oh shit, folks. Here it comes.
2: Yeah, I'm 61. I got things to say, got things to do. I ain't going away. I'm gonna play my guitar till I die. That's right, if I ain't a star. <laughs> I'm in Hollywood, but I don't have to be. I can be anywhere I need to be. You know, I like to play all the time and just kind of express. You know, when you get old, or so you've been told, nobody really wants to hear what you got to say every once in a while. But you know what? I'm going to talk anyway, because that's what I do. Right, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna play my guitar until I can't do anything more than that. That's why, because that's what I gotta do. I'm a lifer. it's sunday i'm here with you we're playing stuff and it's real cool you know next week i gotta go back to school and he's gonna be there soon so we'll talk about scales and arps and all those things that are real nice just don't forget to play your rhythm guitar because that's what you do just most of the time (laughs) that's wrong (laughs) getting crazy You're going to meet people every day that want to do what you do in any way. You got to get real better and do your thing. Just get your guitar out and do your thing. Come on, man. Don't waste no time because that's what you got on this planet. That's right. You got to play. You got to play. You got to play. Do what you got to do every day. Yeah, I don't know if they ever see the light of day. I hope not because maybe I'll play Maybe it'll be good, maybe it'll be bad, but it'll be honest, and it'll be coming out and act, I'm sad. Yeah. Tell everybody who's around that you love them, just in case they get put in the ground and you're not there when they're gone. Just say what you gotta say now before they're gone. That's right, play what you gotta play, that's what you gotta do. I gotta play my guitar, cause that's what I do, and maybe it'll help you.
0: That was awesome. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, I don't know if you want to publish that. <laughs> I am publishing the shit out of that. Are yeah. you kidding? I got you, mofo. No, don't use that against me. <laughs> that was like, you just improvise? Almost. The time is safe.